Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. You know the rules of the game. Yeah. You know the rules of the game. I don't care what color. Can you make me a hundred million? Let's talk money. Let's talk. Can you make me that? If you can't make me that, I won't talk to you. You shouldn't even get this tape. Hey. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my line unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily, all I want is dubs, you know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper, all I know is broad money marathon. Do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on do what I want to do, have kids, go live my chip and joy in the game's life out here in Texas or struggle for next year. The choice is yours. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bella, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking on my co-host. Fellas, how y'all feeling? What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Jalen. I'm feeling great, looking even better. It's a lovely Saturday. It ain't too hot. It ain't too cold, so I'm feeling blessed. You feeling yourself since you got your little twist out, huh? A little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> What's good, everybody? It's your boy Kelly here, chilling with the gang. The gang got three of the fours. Hey, what's going on over there, Jared? Yeah, what's good? What's good? What's good? Your boy checking in. I'm all over here by my lonesomes, man. I'm just chilling up. It's a good Saturday. Man, it's blessings, though. I tell y'all, every time, y'all, we getting closer and closer, man. We getting closer and closer. We got three of us today. Kelly popped up on us. We weren't even expecting them in town. Hell yeah. You always got to expect them. You never know. <laughs> Kelly like John Wick. <laughs> but yeah, man, we got another great episode planned for y'all today. It's just a gang here today, but we got a couple topics we want to run through with y'all. Before we hop into everything, we got to ask y'all to make sure that you like, subscribe, and rate, review the podcast. All of that. Yeah, if you're a fan, you new listener, first time listener. We um, want to say welcome. Welcome and show your love, give your feedback. Whatever you got to say, we want to hear anything you guys have to say. 
It helps us grow. It helps us make the show better and helps us give you guys more of what you want because we all about giving you the knowledge and information necessary. So, yeah, y'all make sure y'all sub, like, comment, rate, wherever you watching. Yeah. Um, and with that said, let's get this thing started. Let's get this thing rolling. So. So, yeah, like he said, it's the game today. We don't have any guests, so we haven't done this in a while. But, yeah, I let my boy, my boy, bro, man, David, pop it off. Well, what are we about to talk about, man? Yeah, so we're going to just start this thing off, just hopping into it with just a couple different topics. We want to start off with credit, man. We've been talking about credit a lot this week. Uh, last week, as you guys know, we talked about the launch of our course, Credit Fundamentals. So we've been kind of putting out content related to credit, talking about it, just kind of gauging people's knowledge, interests, and stuff like that. And we started seeing some real interesting conversations pop up when it came around credit and like mm. just the lack of understanding of how it works and the way to leverage it properly. Okay. So with that being said, I kind of want to ask a question. What's that? When did y'all feel like it was in y'all's best interest to know about credit? I would definitely say sophomore year of college. No, not sophomore, junior year of college, whenever they sent me my first offer for a credit card. Whenever they sent that, I was like, oh, hmm, I should, you know, because in college, we just get, they send you those offers and you're like, oh, okay. It's 0% APR, all this stuff like that. I mean, it sounds good. Mm-hmm. And like, it made me want to learn more about it just because it's like, if I'm going to get a credit card, I should at least know how this stuff works. Probably around the same time for me, it was like junior year. And the reason I started looking into it was I had some frat brothers. They was just talking about like their credit score. And then I was also getting to that point where it's like, I'm about to get ready to graduate. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I want to make sure, you know, I got my shit in order Mm -hmm. before I exit this place. So I went ahead and I looked at my credit score. I was like, damn, I don't like this. I was in a bad (laughs) position. (laughs) Uh, Can can you tell them why you don't like that, uh, my brother? So if y'all don't know, in the early episodes, I talked about this. So whenever I was younger, my mom put a bill in my name and she didn't pay it. So I had bad credit. Like, I had like a five something credit score. I was like, man, what the fuck is this? Like, I really was just like, what the hell? Like, I ain't gonna lie. I was like so pissed off. I was hurt. I was like, man, how am I going to make it? Because I didn't really know like what I know now. Mm-hmm. So I ended up looking into it. And like you said, I ended up looking into like a secured credit card. I was like, what do I have to do to start establishing good credit? Because I know I need to do something to at least start fixing this. So then I got me a, uh, the, not the Discover, the Capital One mm-hmm. Platinum card, the secure card. I put like $500 uh, deposit into it. Then I started using it that summer and just started swiping it for like gas and smaller purchases that I started paying back. And like within the next few months, maybe like six to seven months, I was able to start bringing it up to like the mid sixes and stuff like that. So it was pretty uh it was a learning experience, but that's whenever I realized credit was an important factor and it was something that I needed to start learning about. I would say for me, you sparked my interest. Whenever we lived together in college, you had a credit card and you was talking about your credit score and how it was going up and how you were using it. And I was like, man, I don't know what this credit shit is, but I, I need to get on this. So then whenever I graduated, I, was, I looked more into it and I ended up getting a Capital One card. And then I didn't really know what I wanted to do with using it, using just the credit card or exactly how I should get my credit score. So I just did a lot of research and then started actually getting a lot more credit cards and started being 
very strategic in how I used it and where I used it at. But that, you were definitely the biggest influence of trying to get my credit card. Hey, man. Appreciate that. Cause I mean, it was, I think it was me and Jerry. We got our credit at the same time, right, bro? Yeah, we both got credit cards around the same time. You want to talk to the people about your credit journey, Slim, too, my brother? Yeah, like, I, so with mine, it was kind of similar to uh, Jalen's in the fact that, like, I kind of started behind the A-ball. So, like, I first, like, pulled my report and everything, and I was looking at my credit score, and, like, it wasn't good. And, like, I had some stuff on there, and I didn't know what it was. Like, apparently, like, one time while I was in a completely different place somewhere, like, a hospital had a bill for me or something, like, I had some incorrect information and stuff that I had to get off of mine. So, like, I started having to try to figure out, like, okay, how do I get this off? What is a dispute? You know, like, who do I need to get in contact with? What do I need to tell them? Like, how do I prove that this wasn't me? So, like, I had to go through that whole process of trying to get that stuff removed. And then I started where you and Kelly went as far as getting a secure card. I had to pay, like, $200 to start. And then from there, I started using that card for small purchases. And then basically, slowly but surely, built a fairly strong credit report. So right now, I mean, I know I, I'm basically going to get approved for whatever I need. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. But that's the thing with credit. Like, that's why I wanted to have this conversation on the podcast was because, like, we've seen a lot of people saying stuff related to credit. And let's talk about why we saw those things, about what we posted on the page and what kind okay. of sparked it. Okay, so we posted a clip from an earlier episode. I believe that's what, episode 32, 30 something. I'm going to be lying to y'all. Mastering your credit with Irene, Irene Pruitt. Y'all check that out. But it was a clip talking about how the credit bureaus work, basically, like not credit bureaus, collection agencies. Collection agencies, they'll go and they'll get these debts from these companies and they'll buy them for pennies on a dollar. Mm -hmm. If you owe a company $10,000, they might buy this debt for a couple thousand bucks, maybe even less than that, maybe a few hundred dollars. But what it was saying was that these collection agencies can then come after you for that money. And we met a lot of people saying that, oh, you don't owe a collection agency this and you don't owe a collection agency that. Yeah, like, I'm not paying that. I'm going to just wait. It's going to fall off my report after seven years. And it's like... When something happens to your kitchen, you might say... This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. That whole mentality when it comes to credit, in my opinion, is being very reactive instead of proactive. Mm. Like whenever we talked about our individual credit journeys, at one point we all realized that we had to become proactive. Yeah. Like we can't stay in this space whenever it comes to thinking about credit where it's just like, and, and debts in general, where it's just like, oh, this is a problem. I'm going to ignore this problem until it goes away. Mm. That's interesting because I definitely, definitely see that. Like just within the black community, like a lot of times we have credit and people be like, like you said, oh, I'm going to just let it fall off. Or them, I'm not paying them people back. Like that's their problem or whatever. But what you don't realize is you're creating a bad habit, a negative habit, because if you have this one person that you're feeling comfortable doing this with, mm -hmm. what stops you or what's going to give you that discipline of not doing it to the next person who offers you credit? And that's really how you get stuck in that cycle of bad debt, mm -hmm. because 
now you just you stuff, not paying stuff back. And you think that that's OK. And I kind of also want to talk about like why having that is also bad for you. Like you're paying more to borrow mm-hmm. whenever you have a lower credit score. It's expensive to have bad credit. Yeah. man. So like with that, like why do y'all think people are like that? Or why do y'all think like people feel like it's OK for us to say, OK, that's not my problem. I'm not paying them people back. Because you can live everyday life without it. That's I think that's the, one of the biggest things is, okay, I have a bad credit score, but that's not going to stop me from going to the gas station and get some gas. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to stop my everyday life. Now, if I want to go buy, purchase a property, mm-hmm. or purchase a long-term vehicle, shit. long-term stuff, it might affect it, but as of my everyday normal life, it don't affect it, so I don't need it, right? A lot of people don't live in the future. They live mm-hmm. in what's right now, and that's it. I can't look two, three years ahead, and, and maybe I do want the house, but I can't look right there right now because guess what? I got bad credit. I don't mm-hmm. need it. So I think currently it's just because you don't necessarily have to use it in your everyday life. Mm, that's interesting. Jerry, bro, man, I mean, David, y'all got any? Try to see if my brother Spiller had any interesting takes on this. I'm thinking about just like this conversation with people not really wanting to understand it. I kind of want to dive more into like, some understanding of it like so whenever we was getting into our credit journeys like what was the things that we discovered was helping us like for you i know you said you had that negative report on your thing and you would get this card but i mean i'm pretty sure it was more to the process than that like you had to educate yourself so yeah so like i just had to learn what like compromise what made up a credit score and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so my biggest thing was whenever i start using this card i want to start reporting on-time payments all the time like so I was making sure, hey, I'm paying before the date it's even due. Like, I'm making sure that I'm taking care of the card. And I was doing things that I didn't know. I was wiping the card off completely, which I later learned that, you know, you could keep a little bit on it just to have a little balance. But I was wiping the card off completely. But I was my biggest thing was making sure I'm reporting on-time payments because I knew that made up a large portion of the score. I didn't know everything, but I knew that if I at least start reporting on-time payments and start showing that, hey, I'm showing good faith to one creditor, I know at least it should start reporting something good. I didn't understand and start learning about like the credit repair like Jared did. I didn't understand and learn how to take that off. I was also kind of afraid. I'm not going to lie. I was like, that was my mom using it. I was like, I don't want to get my mom in trouble. Like If these people are like, well, maybe it was like identity fraud or something like that. So I'm like, I don't even know like how to attack this problem. So my first thing was just making sure I'm reporting on time payments. I got a question for Jared. So like you said, you had to look more into getting the correct information on your credit report. What did mm-hmm. that process look like? So the first thing I had to do was actually like, well, so let me rewind. So one of the first things I did after I graduated and I got a job was I paid for credit repair and I didn't really know what was going on. And I ended up that didn't get it removed or I thought it was removed and then it popped back on my account and my score. It was a lot of different weird stuff going on, but ended up not removing the stuff off my account. So I kind of figured like, hey, let me go ahead and just try to do this myself at this point. So it started with me pulling my report and from the three credit bureaus and seeing exactly who was reporting what and what was going on. And so then from there, I had to use that information to figure out who exactly was saying that I had this bill with them, who was trying to collect this debt, and I had to get in contact with them. 
I had to figure out what letters that I needed to send them and get in contact with them to let them know that like, hey, this wasn't me and get a basically try to get like a settlement and get them to remove that off of my report. It was a long process, but like a lot of it came from having to do like a lot of reading, a lot of searching online and just different stuff like that. I had to, it took a, <laughs> a nice little minute to figure it all out, but eventually it did. So this is something that you discuss in the course, exactly how someone can, let's say I've got some incorrect information on my credit report that mm-hmm. I want to dispute. Is that something that you go over it in the course? Yeah. So I talk about like the general dispute process. Like it won't specifically go into like each individual situation because some of them are a little different depending upon exactly what you're dealing with. But in the course, it goes over like basically the general guidelines of what I had to do and it'll get you going in the right direction. And it also points you away from a few different things that I almost did in the beginning that you shouldn't do. Like I almost disputed it online and that would have led to me basically being uh, held responsible by the collection agency as it being my debt when it actually wasn't mine. And so like I found that out before I did it. And so it was actually like a really a big blessing. So I ended up not having that like stuck with me. So whenever you settle with them, you didn't have to pay them close to anything of the full amount. You were able to settle for like nothing or like settle for like pennies on what? Because it wasn't a debt that you encouraged yourself, right? Really pennies on it. I shouldn't have had to pay anything. If I knew what I know now, I wouldn't have had to pay anything. But uh, I, it was pennies on a dollar for what it was. And basically, I just got in contact with them and I had to like just find a settlement amount and then get them to like, I paid it and they were like, OK, cool. We, they sent me a letter letting me know that they would go ahead and remove everything off of my account. And like I had to get the proof of that before I paid them. And so like that's another big thing that I mentioned. And of course, like make sure you're going to get proof of them removing something before you pay anybody anything. Because especially with it being somebody, like we said, they collected or excuse me, they bought your debt from another company for pennies on a dollar sometimes. You don't want to automatically just go pay them off because then they might not even do the rest of the job as far as removing everything off of your account. Shiesty. You got to watch yourself with these credit bureaus. These uh, collection agencies and all this stuff. And that's the stuff that my brother Jerry educates y'all on in our credit fundamentals course. Like I said, that's released already. It released this past weekend. Uh, y'all definitely, if y'all want to learn more about your personal credit, uh, learn from our credit journeys individually, definitely check out that Credit Fundamentals course. Link going to be in the show notes to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my boy is a licensed credit repair agent, right? Uh, what is the certification you got? Oh, it's a board certified credit, credit repair specialist. Yeah. So, yeah, y'all get that. That's why I said if I knew what I know now, I wouldn't have paid anything. But <laughs> back then, I didn't know some of the things that I know now. Hey. So, okay, okay, so let's, let's hop in there. So what's some of the things you know now that made you know that, like, what you don't have to pay? Because, you know, people, we was ta- I was just talking about it, like, people was like, oh, man, I got to pay them. So, like, what don't you have to pay for these people? So, like, if I had known the fact that, like, if I had been able to prove that it wasn't me, number one, like, I could have went through the bill and, like, that some of the information I'm sure would have been wrong. And with me going through that and actually looking through and seeing the fact that the information was wrong and me being able to prove that the information was wrong, I would have just been able to tell them like, hey, this wasn't me. Send a letter letting them know that like, hey, this wasn't me. I was there uh, in this other location. But here's my proof, blah, blah, blah. And then I wouldn't even have to pay that. Like, I wouldn't have to settle with them at all. Because again, it wasn't my bill. Mm. Okay. All right. So how do you 
monitor that information. So how, like, if I'm a person that has maybe it's miscorrect information on my report, how do I know? So that's where you go as far as getting, you're going to need credit monitoring as far as pulling your credit report. Like I said, when I first did it, I pulled my credit report and we go through that. And of course, to explaining like how you can go and get a free one. I pulled my report from the three bureaus, Experian, Equifax and TransUnion. And that's how I was able to start like figuring out who was saying what, because on there is going to list out what your negative marks are, who said it, why, like it gives dates and everything, like all of the information. So you can go through that and then start to look and see like, okay, cool. Why is this on here even in the first place? So I had to pull that. And then from there, I was able to try to figure out like, I had to monitor it too. So I had to sign up for a legitimate monitoring because at first I had like credit karma and stuff like that. And I also explained them, of course, why that's not really helpful. So I had to sign up for like Experian. And then from there, I was able to monitor and see when it was actually removed make sure that they say correct on their word as far as getting it removed in the letter. And then like also another thing that I know now that I would have looked into is stuff like the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Like there are different rules and regulations that these people have to abide by that I just didn't know. Wait, so you're telling me my 750 credit card ain't right? Nah, champ. <laughs> you might not want to believe that. <laughs> so oh, credit card Yeah, they be lying. Because, uh, well, not how to explain they don't necessarily be lying. They just use a different, if we're using addition and subtraction, they're using like multiplication or something like they're using a different way to try to figure out the formula. And it just, it makes it come out with a nicer, prettier score. There's a reason that it's free. Cause it's just an estimator, right? It's just an estimated score. It's not an actual score. No, it's definitely not your exact score. Okay. Damn credit card. All they here for us to sell y'all some credit cards. I just want y'all to know that. Like, <laughs> yeah, real, no, that's, that's exactly friends, how they get paid. Like, nobody, nobody love credit card. Ain't got no love for you. Real no. deal. None at all. Everybody been scammed by credit card. Hell yeah. And with like the pulling your credit, we also have a free downloadable that really walks you through how to do that. Correct, Jared? Yeah, it should be in the show notes. You can download it. It's a PDF that just walks you through exactly how to get your full free credit report from Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And it's not that hard. Like you just, biggest thing I do want to advise people, and it does say it also in the instructions, is make sure you're near a printer or something like that so that you can get the report printed off because you're only going to get to see it and basically have access to it on your computer at one time. And then after that one time, you going to have to pay. Okay. Uncle Sam want that money. That's, that's like secure, that secure files, man. Them secure business filings. You know, what I mean? unless, unless, unless certain special circumstances, and if there's enough interest in that, definitely let me know, y'all. I can let y'all know. It's like some special circumstances that you can go through, or that you might be in that would allow you to get another free credit report. Like some, a lot of people might be dealing with right now with coronavirus is unemployment. That can be a special circumstance to where you can get a free credit report. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, y'all cop that course. Hey, man. I'm telling you, I didn't even click, know some of this stuff. Downloadables. Hey, but real quick before we get out of credit, y'all, I want to still talk about one thing me and Kelly was talking about off camera beforehand. Uh, just another strategy with credit, like using your credit card to make payments that you were going to make anyway. Mm. So, like, a lot of people don't like to, you know, we got a lot of people that are real anti-credit. They like, oh, man, debt is the devil, da 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 well, like one strategy that like Kelly said, when you seen how I was using it and like he adopted and we still both use to this day is we pay bills that we're going to have to pay anyway on our credit card first. 
in order to collect cash back points for them. And the way that works is instead of just carrying a huge balance on your credit card, you pay the bill and then you pay the bill off. You don't just let your credit card balance run up. And one of the things that I use, because I'm a busy person and I'm forgetful, especially about stuff like that. So my bills are set on auto pay right, mm-hmm. with my credit card. Then on top of that, it's set on auto pay for the credit card balance. So it's automatically paying itself through my account. And it's automatic. My bills are automatically getting paid and I'm earning reward points. Hey, that's smart. That's a that's a nice little hack. How, how many reward points you got on Kelly? Tell let them know. Uh, I got a, on Chase, I got about 120,000. And then on credit, on uh, Capital One, I probably got about another 50, 60,000. So Sheesh. you're looking at these points, that's move the decimal over a cut two places and that, well, no, what? Well, a few, four places, yeah. four places, and that's your monetary amount. You got, so uh, a band and what? About 500. Yeah, so hey, that's good. That's some damn you, good. Man, I would have some some damn reward points too, man. Y'all, hey, listen to the wise, y'all. Don't get Amazon accounts with your family, dog. Man, I had my credit card stuff. I, you know, I got it set up like this, man. My shit, like two years of running, just paying bills. I'm like, man, my cash back points don't never go up, man. My older sister been using my damn cash back points to buy shit on Amazon, man. Oh man, hold on, man. <laughs> Man, I was hurt, so I found that one. I was like, damn, man. I'm like, man, my shit don't never go up. That pay my shit every month. I only got like $60 in this motherfucker, damn. man. Hey, don't let your sister own your stuff. Don't let your family own. If they own Amazon or not, don't let them to your cash back. But that say something else about credit, just even with credit, man. Y'all only fuck with people with credit that y'all trust, man. Don't be extending cosigns to people. Honestly, but, I say don't even. But there is something I do want to talk about before we move on. I do want to talk about like adding people to your credit score, mm-hmm. to your credit account, even though they're not authorized users. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a huge benefit. Don't confuse us joking around like that. You can I actually help somebody out. Huh? You rich, my nigga. You got Versace glasses on. <laughs> 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 oh my God. <laughs> I do got Versace glasses. Uh, but yeah, you can go and add people to your credit account and help them with their credit score, especially if they're new. Ask your parents if you're if you're young, ask your family member that you know has good credit, tell them that you do not want to be an authorized user, but you do want to get the, added to their account. So you're you can be added as a credit user. Versace. Mm. <laughs> <Me> go. <laughs> Yeah, but hey, no, that's game though. That's real game. Make sure that's a whole nother thing. You can add them and not have them actually fuck up your credit. That's basically what it is. Yes. So, hey, for sure. And I'm pretty sure you go over that in the course too, right, Jared? Yeah, my bad. I was muted. Yes, sir. <laughs> I do. That's a bet. Damn, Zoom. All right. So, with that, y'all, y'all make sure y'all check out Credit Fundamentals. Like we said, we got these free downloadables down here below. We got the link in the show notes. We got yeah. y'all just check in, tap in. You want to learn my brother, like we say, he a board certified credit pair repair specialist. He knows this stuff. He went through the education. He went through the shit himself. But so, I just a discount for the podcasters. We actually are. We're doing a 50% discount right now on the course. Oh shit. Yeah. So y'all definitely, definitely tap in while there's at 50%. But I also do want to highlight it's not just a credit repair course. This course is really just to teach you everything about 
credit. Like we were saying, like some of the things we didn't know, not just specifically towards disrepairing, but pretty just much so you can understand how the system works and how you can use it to your advantage. Yeah, I did want to definitely say that. Like my biggest focus point in the course is not per se how to repair your credit, although I do go over like the dispute process and some stuff with that. But it's mainly like how to understand your credit, how to understand what's going on. Because like I said, I initially started out paying for credit repair when I actually didn't need it. Like, so that's one of the biggest things I want to stop people doing is wasting money on stuff like that, where you're actually going out and paying for credit repair or, you know, paying for different stuff and you don't really need it. Like you're not even in a situation. You just need to understand exactly what's going on with your score. So that we're going to segue into the next topic, man. So next thing we want to talk about is black capitalism, man. Mm. Mm. That's a major and, topic. Hold on. I, and I kind of want to like Expound explain on why we segue segueing into this. So I was scrolling on that bird app, that Twitter that app. damn bird app. Yeah. So I was scrolling on that bird app and I saw someone say, you can't love capitalism and black people at the same time. Mm. It doesn't correlate. Mm. So I had to ask y'all, how do y'all feel about that? You know, I see what they're saying, but I don't agree with that. I understand why they feel that way. Like, this is just me looking at stuff from, like, a, a broad scope lens. Mm-hmm. Like, I think about it like those people that say stuff like that, those those Black AF people, you know, that show that was on Netflix that, like, everything, yeah. like, fell back on slavery. Yeah. I feel like they feel that way. Because the American capitalistic system, like our economy was built off the backs of slavery. So they feel like there's no possible way that capitalism can work for black people. But I don't agree with that because as we know, us individuals sitting on this call right now, that opportunities now and opportunities then are nowhere near the same. Like we can do so much more now. We got way more opportunities. And I don't believe that because I don't know, like... So socialism definitely not the dang answer. No, not at all. But I really want to know, do y'all think that you could be successful in a business or in selling whatever product or service you have and not prey on black people Hmm. as a black person? What do you mean by prey on black people? Prey, I mean, maybe not necessarily prey. Your target market being specifically black people. Okay, so you mean like, can you be a successful business, like black-owned business, and not target black people? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I, I'm not saying you should be. Like, <laughs> yes, because like people, like, you can make a business for anybody. Like, your target market doesn't have to necessarily be like specifically African American, but like the benefactors of your business could be. You feel like that comes into play a little bit. You're talking about black capitalists. I feel like a lot of people, especially with that mindset, believe that people that are successful in business that make money off of black people, they're praying. Yeah, like that is definitely a a big thing in that school of thought where it's like whenever you're capitalistic and black, it means like capitalist has a a negative connotation in that sense. Like it's like as a capitalist, you're taking advantage of people. Yeah. When in all reality, you're taking advantage of opportunity, you're taking advantage of opportunity and you're providing people with things that they want. Mm. That's what the United States economy is. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. 
At participating McDonald's. Off of opportunity and it's a market. It's not necessarily preying off of people. This is just a market and it's opportunity. Just take advantage of it. Don't be on the capital. Don't be on the consumer side, be on the capitalist side. I also feel like whenever I was looking at that, I feel like they also feel like black people get left out of capitalism. Because a lot of times we'll see certain things happen, even like with the weed industry right now, with the marijuana mm-hmm. industry, right? Like you see people are starting to capitalize off of that, but who's reaping the benefits of that? It's not yeah. our community. So I definitely feel like that is another reason why people would say that because we don't see enough of us benefiting from that. But I do also want to say is how are we putting ourselves into positions of ownership to take advantage of this? Because that is also another thing. Like in order to benefit from capitalism, you have to be in a position of ownership, Mm -hmm. a position of equity to where you can start receiving certain things. So I say that to say, how do we kind of start navigating and moving through that because even with like this weed stuff i do see more i see black people starting to start dispensaries we had our girl hope on this there's like people like mike tyson uh um, just had a company uh in new jersey new jersey just legalized marijuana it's like some black company uh they call roll up life they hit us up and i mean they wanted like a cannabis dispensary like it's people getting into mm-hmm. uh, but they're not they're not benefiting it at the rate of what mm-hmm. other people are. And far too many times, people in our neighborhoods are getting locked up. They're going to jail for a long time yeah. for things like this. Because I remember you, yeah, I, I was I talking was to lit- yeah. I was literally just talking to Quincy yeah. yesterday, bro. Yeah, my boy Quincy, shout out to my boy Quincy, shout man. Quincy, man. My brother, he went to jail for like, Quincy was in jail for like a year? Yeah. For a year behind like a couple QPs. Yeah. Like, he went to jail for a year behind that. And it's like, I forgot what example he had gave me, but it was like somebody did something else. He, uh, dude in BR, yeah. right after this election, he slapped a woman like she was out jogging. He slapped her and called her a nigga bitch. Yeah, son, yeah. They didn't charge him with no hate crime, and his bond was like like 30 bands or something like that. Quincy bond for some weed was 250. God damn. Just the disparity in that shit right there. 250? Yeah. That's because it's still considered a Schedule 1. Mm-hmm. It's still considered a Schedule 1 drug, and it's federally illegal yeah. in our state. Damn. That's but damn. just to even speak to that more, like that discrepancy with it, like, I guess, like, some people, they look at the overall thing with capitalism is like, it's not made to benefit us. But I think, like, zooming out on it is like, we need to understand that it can benefit us mm-hmm. if we take the steps. Like one dude I love looking at Reginald Lewis. Why should white guys have all the fun? Like he was one of the first black people to create a billion dollar business and kind of start breaking back some of those barriers because in our reality, at the end of the day, that whole belief system of capitalism can't work for black people, capitalism isn't built for black people, isn't going to put us in a position of power ever. Mm. It's going to leave us as people who are dependent on the systems and the other people instead of people who are creating for ourselves and creating opportunities for ourselves, which we can and have done in the past. Mm. And I kind of want to expound upon that too, because I definitely feel like we can benefit from capitalism. Also, like you said, there's ever since Reginald Lewis and like 
since some of those earlier days, we have Robert people. Smith, yeah, we, we have like yeah. Robert F. Smith. We have we have billionaires now. Donahue Peebles. Mm. Talk to them, man. So like we have people who are able to win. So whenever we look at those people, we, we should start saying, OK, if they were able to do it, let me go study and see what they were doing. How were they able to put themselves in this position? Because a lot of times, another thing with capitalism, people think is, oh, man, they're just going to take this money and pass it on to their family. They're going to keep on doing this. And yes, like with some of the top one percent, that is how it works. But a lot of millionaires are made within that one generation. A lot of millionaires come from nothing. They come from rag to riches. And And that money doesn't stay in the family. It doesn't stay in the family past two to three generations after that because they don't have that foundation. So I said that to say we just need to start understanding and really start taking advantage of it instead of saying, oh, this isn't meant for us. We need to start understanding the rules and start understanding how to get into the game. And we need to understand ways that we can benefit from it. And you need to start understanding how not to get taken advantage of also, because that's something that capitalism happens to. Like a lot of people, sometimes they might have great ideas and they might feel like, oh, man, my idea was taken. Uh, something like that. But if you're not protecting your idea, a lot of times we want to share certain things on Instagram or Twitter and we go viral. Right. And then a year down the road, you might see a big company doing what you was doing. But guess what? You didn't legally protect it. You didn't patent what you was doing. So they have the right because capitalism is a thing. They have the right to capitalize on that opportunity. They just knew the game better than you knew the game. So don't be mad at the players. Be mad at yourself for not understanding the rules. That's like me trying to go play basketball with Michael Jordan. And I don't know one single rule. I just pick up the ball and start going running around the court and I haven't bounced it. That's a damn travel. Give me my damn ball back. You got to understand where you are and where you have an advantage. Especially with these major companies. Speaking on taking ideas and things. You got to make sure that you understand that you have the advantage of having the idea. Mm -hmm. You're at disadvantage more than likely by money, mm-hmm. by the amount of people behind you. So you've got to use the fact that they don't know your idea, right? So don't just publicly put it out there like that. Make people sign NDAs, mm-hmm. you know? Have Make sure you have a lawyer in place already before you just try to get a trademark, you know? Just, just make sure you're protecting yourself and using your advantage to yourself. Definitely got to learn how to play the game on a different level. What you got, Jared? And one thing I definitely want to add, like just pitch into the conversation, just as far as a general thought with black capitalism, like people need to understand that, in my opinion, black capitalism helps to fuel what we need as far as black nepotism. Right. So like. Hold on, 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 hold God damn. Say that one more time. Bro, like, because, like, for example, what you said, like, the black capitalism is going to fuel the black nepotism because, for example, with, like what you said with the marijuana industry, right? There was a um, city alderman in Chicago who said, you're not coming to my district and putting a dispensary in it unless you have a black heart owner. Like, this is how it's going to have to work to get in my district. Like, but the next, what the thing is, is like next year, he doesn't need to worry about the other nonprofits in the city that may not look like him not fueling his campaign or not putting money into him being able to have his different things so that he can run for the next year. That's where the black capitalism, in my opinion, comes in place in part. 
we need to have the money so that we can fuel the people that are going to do the correct things for the people, right? We need the nepotism. We need the programs where it's like, hey, I can, you know, go out and I can say, uh, as a city alderman, these people aren't putting anything in my district without having a black owner and benefiting some black people because I have that position of power. The capitalism is what's going to help fuel them to that position of power. Like without the capitalism, without the money, you have no influence. Like Berman said, or like David, <laughs> you basically going with just asking people. You're at, a, at a, dis- a place of disadvantage. You can't do anything or force anything because you have no leverage. You have to use the money as the leverage to make things happen. I'd rather just drop some bombs on that. Same I need man. clues, bombs on That's this, one, man. <laughs> need them shits, but no, for real though, because like I know we actually had this a conversation we have often between the brothers of BWR. It's just like we'll see that that conversation a lot on Twitter, where it's just like from that victimhood mentality that like oh things can't change, we can't make things better mentality. But the things we're talking about is how things are actually changed. It starts on the local level, like my brother talking about, and then. With that money, we also see how these other people move because I know one thing we talked about this with Donahue a few weeks ago was like whenever wealthy people or like just communities with specific interests want something done, they talk, they have money put together and have people that are talking. Their whole job is just to talk to people who make legislation to represent their interests. Like and what, what, what they call political action committees and lobbyists. And I kind of want to talk because you was just telling me about like how some lobbyists. Yeah. I want you to talk about that and how that's beneficial. And with us being having the capital and the resources, how you can make changes to certain things. Okay, so like I was in the business wars earlier today. UPS, whenever they were like it was maybe 30 years ago or something, they got in some trouble with OSHA because they were just like they were doing some crazy shit. y'all. Like they went from. They minimum package, I mean, they maximum package weight went from being like 70 pounds to like 150 over the course of like a couple months. Like they just changed it and they had no regulations. And like their injury rates got really high. Like you was looking at the sector, like everybody else injury rates down here. And UPS is like, they saying 80% of the people there are reporting some type of chronic pain or something like that. Some type of injuries or some shit like that. Yeah. So like OSHA was like, hey, yo. Y'all got to chill. Y'all, y'all doing some shit wrong back here. As like a safety professional, when Ultra come in, it is not a game. Let me tell you, that shit is not a game. So to, to listen to so, this. Yeah, so, so UPS, with their money, their backing, their special interest in their company, what they did was they got a political action community together. They got some lobbyists together. They threw money at them. And they went combat OSHA's rights to regulate them. So... Do yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did they do this? They they went against the government. It's UPS. It's UPS. They're one of the largest companies in this country. They contribute to our economy a lot. They contribute to infrastructure, my brother. Like they have some leverage here. So it's like, okay, we got this leverage. Y'all telling us we can't do this. Granted, they still got in trouble. They still have to like scale back some shit. But just the fact that they could go to Congress and have their interests represented, like it was backed by money. Like, I think that's the part of politics that we miss out on a lot whenever mm-hmm. we talk about black capitalism in America. America's a capitalist country and money runs everything. We pool our finances together to get people who can actually be paid to talk to these people and you start seeing shit happen. I think there's a couple of things with that though, because it's like, 
Yes, it was definitely fueled by money, but you also got to remember they can't shut UPS down. Nah, bro. You can't shut UPS down. So what are you going to do? Uh, I can't shut y'all down. They had a strike in the 70s, right? They was losing 40 mil a day in the 70s. Sheesh. A day. All in all, the strike cost them almost a billion revenue. That's using a different your, game. That's using your power, your leverage to your advantage, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you kind of speaking, what you got, bro? Oh, no, I was just going to say, people got to understand that's the type of leverage that we need to, or the direction that we need to be working towards as Black people. Like, I watched a documentary, The Black Godfather, and it was talking about Clarence Avant. And just <laughs> the way that he finessed to help Black people by using his leverage and his connections and his money is what we like, in my opinion, we have to start doing. We have to start pushing towards making those legislative changes by being able to back people, paying, like I said, paying lobbyists, paying for people's campaigns, being large contributors to campaigns. That's how you get people to listen. And speaking of campaigns, I kind of want to segue into the next topic that we have. Recently, you know, we just had this presidential election that's Still technically going on. It's been pretty crazy, um, everything that's been going on with this election. But we just kind of want to talk about with the Biden win, some of those proposed legislations and kind of the effect of what that actually means when it comes to, you know, you and your you and investing and finances. Because, I mean, you know, they've been talking about this election. It's like this is the most important election of your life. But, I mean, all of us, as we know, we're not huge subscribers to the idea that politicians are going to change our lives. It's more so like your day-to-day life is not going to be affected by who's in office. It's more so about how you move based on how they're going to move with legislation. So we kind of want to hop into some of the different things that have been proposed. So I know one of the biggest topics that's been going all over ever since the Biden win has been taxes. People have been like, oh, Biden's going to raise taxes. So we we was like doing some digging and stuff on it. Uh, just kind of want to get some of the facts out there that we could find about it. So just for the tax plan, for anybody that's not familiar with it, the proposed Biden tax plan would be basically taxing people who made over $400,000. Their tax rate would go up from being 37% to 39%. That's on like the employee side of things. Um, if the corporate businesses, so like S Corp, C Corps, their tax rate would go up from 21% to 28%. So you would see an increase there. So like if you own an S-Corp or anybody like that, your taxes just went up. The child tax credits, those change from 2K to 3K, correct? So that means you're able to write off more, right? Yes. So you're able to get a higher deduction for your kid. And they're talking about first-time home buyer credits and stuff like that. So it's, it's a lot of stuff to unpack with this uh, this tax plan. What was the capital gains tax again, bro? I know he's talking about upping the capital gains tax. So yeah, they were talking about upping the capital gains tax if you make over, if you have over a million in assets and when you sell it, if it's uh, sold in a period of time, tax as much as 60%. But that's just a, a rumor that's going around that it, it's a possible proposal but we'll see um, mm-hmm. as the time goes on. It's going to get interesting. I think one of the biggest things is, and like I said, I don't know if this is, I haven't found any article that's talking about this, but I've seen it on Twitter about the, the tax on stocks. Mm-hmm. If you purchase stocks, I think that's going to be huge. since It, it will directly affect 
those that invest into the stock market. You come against that what? Yeah, he said there's a proposed tax of like, I want to say it's either 0.1 or 0.01% on each transaction. Each, each equity transaction, I think I did see that. Yeah. Yes, sir. So if you want to play in the capital markets, you're going to have Uncle Sam getting his his hand in there, too. I need my cuts, man. I mean, investing yes, got a sir. whole lot more popular over the past few years. It did. Um, I, it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. And I want people that's listening to understand that this is what it's really about. What this, what, this is what the election is really about. It's understanding what's going to happen and how can you move mm-hmm. to move your money and take advantage of it. Right, there's always going to be an advantage, there's always going to be a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Find the advantages and use them to your advantage. Yeah, because man, the way Trump came through this thing, he cut he cut some regulations back. Like, it was, like he, he opened up taxes like a motherfucker. Uh-huh. I think before what the corporate tax rate was like closer to 30 some percent, and yeah, he, he chopped that whole down to 21. 21. Like, he, he cut back some regulations. So, like, when it comes to taxes, I guess everybody concerned would be like, oh man, buying gonna raise taxes. That's like the whole Democrat thing, but. Like my brother Kelly was saying, it's all about how you move. Yeah. It's all about how you, what are their policies and how you react to them. Just like we were talking about the capital gains, I think if that does get passed or a, a similar proposal gets passed, I think you'll see a lot more 10, 1031 exchanges. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what I'm talking about, taking advantage of, of understanding what the tax is or what's going to happen. And then using that to your advantage of using a 1031 exchange so you don't have to pay taxes. Real quick, Kelly, can you break down what the 1031 exchange is? I, I'm not a lawyer, but I will say, from my understanding, <laughs> this is not investment advice. No, not at all. Uh, is when you are selling something, a house, asset, uh, some type of asset, and you're purchasing another asset within a period of time, mm-hmm. and you don't have to particularly pay taxes, taxes on, on the that. gains. Yes. Yep. So. Hey, and I kind of want to talk about like some of the sectors that we can start looking into seeing under this new administration, some sectors that you could possibly see taking off Mm -hmm. that you can really kind of benefit from uh, and kind of get ahead of the ball while it's still time. Like with everything, I mean, it's still, everything is still in the proposal stage, obviously, Biden's still the president-elect and we waiting on everything to shake out all this stuff. We don't know what policies are actually going to come to fruition, but I know one of the biggest things, one of the biggest speculations uh, with the market since Biden was elected is the whole proposal around the Green New Deal. A lot of people have been talking about that for the past few years now. Been a thing, and the whole whole thing with the Green New Deal is like progressing America and the world away from fossil fuels and non-renewable energy sources to the point where we become a zero net emissions, mm-hmm. which means the amount of carbon we're putting out is actually being absorbed by the atmosphere instead of being stored and you know causing issues by 2050. So. With that being said, you're starting to see like a large push in the electro vehicle space, like a lot of renewable energy things. Another part of the Green New Deal that I just want to address, like, is infrastructure, too. They were talking about infrastructure and also income inequality. That was a part of it. There's just like where it's talking about, you know, like the wage gap, the wealth gap, these opportunities that are not created. One of the big things with it, like similar to the original New Deal with FDR, is that it would be like, government subsidied public high paying jobs, basically, like where they would help these energy companies kind of, you know, get some things mm-hmm. started to give these opportunities to communities that are relying heavily already on the oil field to make their money. So just kind of like something to to think about that transition. So I know with that one, 
three of the big sectors that we were talking about were like renewable energy, solar, solar, like wind, all that stuff. The electronic vehicles, those have been taking off. Those are going crazy. I need that Hummer. Man, y'all seen that new Hummer? Son? I seen the Hummer. Who has another Derby's got one. Rivian. Wait, what? It's a Hummer. Did, did you see the electric Hummer, my brother? I have not seen the electric Hummer. No, I did see the price. See the, the price is ridiculous. They, they mind thinking people gonna pay that shit. Yeah, my brother, the price did, is ridiculous. Did you see the little thing it could do with the wheels? That's fine. That man. shit was precious, I'm not son. Six figures for an electric Hummer, bro. Yeah. Wait, bro. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah they starting Jared, off at a man. Jared, hear me out though, son. Hear me out. Hear me out. They did some great marketing with this thing, man. They had this little piece on the commercial, bro, where it was like the wheels, son. Them holes can turn diagonal. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And your truck stay the same Your thing. truck stay the same direction. And your shit could like spider walk, my brother. It's, it's called a crab cool. walk. I ain't gonna lie, it's pretty cool. I ain't gonna lie, they got some pretty precious stuff. But like, just with that said, like the electronic vehicle market, it's a lot of it's a lot of speculation around it right now. A lot of proposed, like people thinking this is going to be the new the way. The next thing, yeah, the next big thing. And, and with that, just talking about going back to electric vehicles and talking about Hummer, do y'all think that's gonna be the upcoming push for GM to come back in Detroit? Uh, it actually, probably. it is. They actually are converting that manufacturing, the Detroit facility, into an electric manufacturing facility. And that's what a lot of companies are doing. Mm -hmm. A lot of the ex existing companies, they're, they're, convert yeah, they're converting some of those factories where they're producing into actual electric vehicle producing factories. There's another company called Rivian. Rivian was invested, Ford, right? Ford and Amazon invested in a Rivian. Hmm. So Rivian is another electric brand. They have a truck that they're about to drop and the truck's supposed to go 400 plus miles. It got like 750 uh, horsepower, zero to 60 in like three seconds or some shit. And like their whole thing is they're designing like what's called a skateboard thing. And it's just going to be like something where you can place different models onto this and you can get different electric vehicles. So the reason Ford partnered with them, I went through some research. Ford is going to take that skateboard, do a model off of it. And Amazon is going to take that skateboard and do their delivery vehicles off mm. of that uh, thing. So they're trying to make sure that Rivian is proven and that Rivian can be successful. But what Rivian did was they purchased the old Mitsubishi uh, site and they redone it into where it's now a fully automated electrical vehicle site to where you can start just processing. So now they didn't have to go buy a new facility and start new construction mm -hmm. like Tesla's doing. No, they found they something that was already yeah. existing and they just converted it over. Changed the means of production to mm -hmm. making these newer things. But I think that's definitely a very interesting trend to point out too. Like just even with this Green New Deal, like a lot of these companies that are already here that have been here for a while, they're definitely starting to make their pivot. And that's yeah. something for people to pay attention to. Like, even um with workhorse with the USPS. So USPS, they got Did this. Get that deal? They didn't get the deal yet. So, so USPS, for anybody that's unfamiliar, our government as part of that, that Green New Deal proposal is like trying to get all of our mail carriers on electronic vehicles, electric vehicles by um 2030. So there's a big, huge contract out there. I think it's like six to eight billion dollars or something like that God. for these companies. Uh, and they're not sure how they're going to allocate it like 
it's a lot of speculation around it. Some think like Workhorse is going to get the whole contract. Some think they're going to break it up between multiple companies. Nobody's really sure yet how it's going to play out. But that right there is just another sign like, okay, this is where things are moving. If the postal service that's been around since the goddamn, what, 1800s? <laughs> like the, po- the postal service, they started off on horses, like my brother said. Like they're like, okay, we need to move away from these gas vehicles onto these more renewable sources. That's like definitely something for you to be looking at for the next 10 years. Like I mean, everybody loves Tesla. We love Tesla because it's like, you know, Tesla volatile as hell. It's crazy. They had mm-hmm. a stock split. Everybody you, love Elon Musk. Everybody love Elon Musk, but there are a lot of other actual oh, players in this market. It's a lot of players in that market. It's going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. Time, mm-hmm. And they're fairly new too. Like yeah. fairly new. So we say all of that to say, start looking at some of these electric companies that you can get into the market with before you got to pay taxes on trading and stuff. <laughs> Just saying, if that does happen. So start looking into some of these things that it, you can start benefiting from. Don't just invest blindly into these things. No. Like, I just want to talk about one company real quick, Nikola. I was about to say the one that let you down. Yeah, man, Nikola, man. I ain't going to lie. They let me down, man. I seen a picture of one. He was on Nikola. He was advocating for it. I was advocating for it. I saw their trucks, and I saw the design. I was like, ooh, that truck pressure, son. Ooh, man, that thing, like, that bit hard. That's one of the hardest trucks. Then, like, I started digging more into them, and it's a lot of shit with Nikola, like, they don't even have an actual truck on the road. No, the truck does not work. The truck that they put on the video was getting pulled. Bro, they no, told, so they it was it, they put it on a low grade hill, a very low grade hill. And like I was looking at it and I was like, damn, they are right. Like if you paying attention to it, the way the camera angle is, they try to like tilt it so you can't really see, but it's it's definitely like on a downward slope and it's just like coasting. They pulled it to the top and let it coast. So that's, I think the, the biggest thing with that, so I don't want to get too far into it, but just make sure you do your research. If a company ain't released a product yet, it's just speculative, guys. And they public? <laughs> it's just speculative. Don't put your life savings into it. Don't buy the hype. It's just speculative. Uh, real quick, I want to give people something, something else. Just uh, They reported earnings last week. What you think they earned? I don't know. What do you think they generated? Probably pretty big. Zero? Big fancy. They ain't got no revenue. I could imagine, bro. They, they, How did? Okay, so here's my zero. thing, right? Did they? They must have did that spec to go public. They did. They did. Yeah. Okay. All these EV companies are doing spec. They also. So okay, just to talk to that y'all about that because I was supposed to talk to y'all about that a while ago. For anybody that's unfamiliar with specs, that's something that it's been around for a while. They're recently. They've been really popular coming into 2020. What a spec is is a special purpose acquisition company. So what those are, basically, they call blank check companies. So these companies, they get people who are like hedge fund managers, you know, people who invest in venture, that type of stuff for a living. And their goal is they take a company public that has no operations. They raise a bunch of capital. And the purpose of that company is to purchase another company. So we've seen a lot of SPAC acquisitions over the past three or four months. Um, it's the busiest since the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Like SPACs have fell off for a long time, but now like that's how most people are going public right now. I think who uh, was the most recent? I I think Helion just did. Helion. um, It was one of those recent. Diamond Peak. Diamond Peak was one that bought somebody. I think they bought Lordstown Motor. Yeah. That's another EV company that's I think it's British or something like that. 
But either way, these SPACs are allowing these companies to go public. And it's a way to buy into a company. So like whenever you buy a SPAC, right? This is usually some of these companies are already public, but some of these companies aren't public that they're buying. So what you're doing is buying the stock of this company that's not really a company. And then whenever they actually make the acquisition. So whenever they buy. Yeah, whenever they buy. That's a detail I left out with SPACs. They have to make a purchase within two years. That's the thing. Like, so if they form a SPAC, if they started in 2018, 2020, they have to make something shake or they have to disband it and redistribute the funds back to investors. So that's a way for people to get into some of these companies that are recently going public, maybe. But I wouldn't just say, just do it. Definitely look at you, do your research. Uh, like I said, it's speculative. Yeah. A company ain't got no business. Mm. Unless they proven how they making that bread. Yeah, I'm pretty sure going down that fundamental analysis whenever we talk about that in the stock course. Yes, sir. Coming soon. So next topic, man One of the last topics we got So this is something else I want to talk about I guess it kind of relates to black capitalism some, man This ain't really just for black people But recently, man We had seen, this week Supreme sold for $2.1 billion Right? Billy God damn it VF, uh, VF, what's the Vans Vans, the people that own Vans Yeah, Vans That's uh, a smart market to buy them Vans, somebody else, and it's like three companies, the parent company that Mm -hmm, owns it. Yeah, it's like, I think the name of the company is VF. But yeah, Supreme sold for $2.1 billion. And like, for anybody that's unfamiliar, like Supreme, all this hype B shit like that, like, this stuff came up off the backs of black people. Let's keep it real. Like, whenever it came to how Supreme got hot. Jalen and I was talking about this. Like, whenever we was in, like, sixth grade or whatever, we would play, like, those skating video games. And Supreme was a skater brand. We want to make that clear. Like, that was not something that was mainstream. It was one of those, like, DC things. Like That's why I thought it was interchangeable. That's why I was like, Vans makes sense. Yeah, like, it's one of those things. But, like, how it hit that mainstream. And exclusivity. Was, like, through rappers. I know one of the most iconic images, I think I seen a clip on it, was Jim Jones talking about Yeah, it. I seen it to you yesterday. Yeah, Jim Jones talking about how that Dipset photo was, like, one of the most iconic photos of Supreme. And, like, it really, at the time, who Dipset was to hip-hop, how it launched that brand into the stratosphere, and they had no equity in that. Yeah. I think between that and you got, I remember the NBA had the... the Supreme sleeves. That shit was wild. Like, I, I definitely remember. They did do that uh, yeah, deal with Supreme. I remember J.R. Smith had one and shit. Like, it's interesting to see, like, how we as a community, mm-hmm. as, a, as a black community, we big up brands, but we don't do it when we have equity. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Even, even, like, with a lot of rappers, like, talking about Hennessy oh talking about <laughs> certain Chris style. I remember like Jay Z talking Hennessey about Chris nasty style. as hell. Hey y'all, I ain't gonna say it no more because they don't get no free promo. <laughs> but look, y'all stop drinking that shit. Go drink a black owned brand. <laughs> oh, so do you get big ups to people like Ross and Jay Z for owning? Yes, because like Jay Z talked about his mistake, right? Yeah. He said with Chris style, he made Chris style all this money, and he was like, damn. I ain't get paid I, I shit. I ain't get paid shit for none of that. I was rapping by Cristal. I was buying their bottles. I was the consumer, not getting paid. Then he started Ace of Spades. Now I think it's worth like half a bill. Imagine. I, I still think to this day, the best one was 
vitamin water? Yeah, man. Yeah, that vitamin well, water. That vitamin yeah, water was hard because you knew exactly who who owned it and how he got into it. It was really, really dope. Whenever they sold the coke, that shit was dope. Yeah. But we say all that to say, like, when it comes to us promoting these brands with people and us just thinking about, like, growing and partnering with people or just in general, we got to stop lending our influence out for free. Like, mm. as with us thinking about, we got to start thinking of ourselves more as businesses, as black people individually, like as a brand individually, because like, even though you and I and Kelly, we, we don't have hundreds of millions of followers on Instagram individually, but if we posting pictures of us with Hennessy and shit like that, like technically you are micro influencer. We all micro influencers in our own right. Like we're giving them free promo to be their consumers. Mm. When in all reality, these people not doing shit to invest in us. I, uh, even, I'm gonna say, Henny did do a little thing during the pandemic. I forgot what it was like. They invested into uh, like uh, HBCUs and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. But like, like you saying though, there's a lot of people who do that because even like with people who start YouTube channels, there's like some. I remember there was that one dude, Henny man. Like he would literally cook everything with Hennessy. I know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like this dude just literally. Everything he was pouring henny on it. He was barbecuing. Let me hit it with the henny. Like it was just crazy stuff, bro. And I'm like, how many wonder, sales you think he got Hennessy? That's though? what I'm, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I wonder, were you getting paid from this? Like, you going this hard behind this? Or there's even some people. Oh, I only rock Adidas. I only rock Nike. I only do this. You're being a poster child for these people. But what are you receiving from that? And I think you got to understand where you are. Like. You've got to understand the deal. So you know, let's say you are getting paid. Let's say it's just a, it's just a, I don't know, a, uh, no, uh, affiliate, link, affiliate link, right? Mm-hmm. I would rather have equity than a fucking affiliate link. True. Especially if I'm making millions of sales. Especially if it's evergreen, exactly. like the Henny Man shit. Exactly. That's evergreen content. I don't want just, because this these affiliate sales are cool, but that eventually goes away. Thanks. You eventually want to get equity in it. So if they do end up selling or if you just get checks monthly, you know? So I think it's definitely understanding your leverage and understanding how much you're making for that brand and try to leverage that into an equity deal. I think you're seeing that a lot of times with sports, with athletes, they're starting to get equity into the companies. Uh, Pat Mahomes just did a deal recently. I think we posted about it. He got equity in a sports brand. I think it's a new sports fitness brand or something like that. Hmm. Um, don't make me lie to y'all on all the details. Let me go check. Did y'all see that dude who made that viral ocean spray video? And then like they got him a car and like some other stuff. I did see that guy. Ownership. What he did? Have ownership. So he it was this guy, he posted a video, and it was him skateboarding and drinking some ocean spray. And then so like it went viral and it was like all over the place. And so Ocean Spray reached out to him and I think they ended up like giving him a car and some money some different stuff like that, just like some, you know, kind of pay, you know, paying back for being a big influencer for him or whatever. But I did also kind of want to piggyback on what y'all said with something that Jalen had said earlier, as far as not knowing, like, or not being able to be in that position. Like, I think that's where, like, again, wrapping in, even with the Black capitalism, that's where we, as Black capitalists, have to come back and start the education process, where people can understand how they can be in an advantageous position to have ownership and like what to do whenever you see stuff happening. Like as you see a video of you 
doing something going viral, what do I do? You know what I'm saying? How do I secure that bag for myself? Man. I got a question for y'all. What's that? I don't know if y'all seen it. I haven't been on Twitter recently, but I did get on it this weekend. And I'm seeing all these people mad at these people buying PS5s. Oh, man. You know who I'm mad at? The motherfuckers oh. buying toilet paper again, man. I thought yeah, it was fast this shit. <laughs> some I really did. Look, we're going to switch it to what's on your timeline. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. So, yeah, okay, let's talk about it, man. Like, uh, fuck. PS5s. PS5s, PS5s man. Xbox. So, like, people be talking about resellers. We just talked about this shit with Reese, right? Yeah. Everybody hired these PS5 people. They bought up all the PS5s. I can't get my kid one for Christmas, right? So, it's like, all right, you rushing out to buy this new next-gen console. And like we talked about with Madam, Mal, Malcolm Adams, you paying a premium to be a beta tester for these people. Mm. You're going to pay the premium to be a beta tester. The same thing with the iPhones. It's the same exact thing. Everybody knows when Apple releases the the, uh, the newest iPhone, it's going to fuck shit. up. It's going to fuck up. So why not just be patient and wait? You're going to get it at a discount, mm-hmm. and it's going to be better. Mm. And the thing is with it to me, like with these PS5s, right, people hate resellers, like we was talking about with, with Reese. But there is a market for it, and people are going to pay them regardless, right? Mm-hmm. You're upset because you got priced out. They got there before you and they priced you out. But this is not going to continue forever. You can get a PS5. It's going to take a little time. Some people are mad, though. They're like, they're like, you had that much money to buy all of them PS5s. Why the hell you ain't do something else? <laughs> yeah, I had seen a photo of somebody had nine PS5s and nine Xbox. In the car, yeah. He was selling for like 200 extra a piece. Hey. Get your money, my man. I ain't mad at you, homie. Because guess what? I ain't going to be the one buying this shit. I ain't buying that shit. Like, that's my thing, too. Like, people act like you can't you can't live without this shit, man. And also, like, you don't have to have it right off the bat. Okay, they bought it all. Guess what? PlayStation going to make some more. Like, trust me, trust and believe. Sony and Microsoft is about that money, my nigga. They want make that some bread. More. And guess what? Next year. It's going to be a whole lot cheaper, like you said. They're going to come up with the PS5 Slim. Slim. <laughs> you already know. It's always going to be a that, that bit, that bit gonna be slightly smaller. Hell yeah. $100 less. Hell yeah. And it's going to have a bigger hard drive. The niggas that bought this shit, this shit going to be mad. Oh, yeah. Man, I got this big old ugly. <laughs> bought that bitch from a reseller for $1,000. Could have got that shit for $299 one year later. I think also, too, is just like people sometimes misdirect their anger, too. Like, you mad at the resellers when, like, all they doing is just capitalizing on the demand. Like, if it wasn't people out there that wanted to buy them for $1,000, they wouldn't be selling them for $1,000. Like, be mad. If you're going to be mad at anybody, be upset with the companies. Like, why did you send out a limited supply when you knew how much demand was going to be for the system? Like, be mad at them. Be upset with yourself for waiting in line at five o'clock in the damn morning. Learn about the box from my boy Reese. Episode I'm about to say, I ain't even gonna get that mad at him for that. Like, you can want it. You can want it that bad. But, like, if you're gonna be mad because you wanted it, be mad at the right people. But I, the reason why I said, like, be mad at yourself for that, because if they wouldn't see this line of people waiting outside at five o'clock in the morning, they wouldn't have had the idea. Man, that's people only really want so this. Many of these. Yeah, like people really want this. Supply and demand. 
Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba. Who's the world, man? Hey. Oh, yeah. Back to this toilet paper stuff, too, man. People tripping again, man. Man, I don't know what's wrong with folks, man. Find toilet paper again? Yeah, bro, I hear. Because, you know, um, with the corona, a lot of stuff been getting, We get, the case number has been like, Skyrocket. I mean, it's in every state. Yeah, like the it's case number. State. Every state is a woman. But like out here, I don't understand when it happened, but they just reported over the past few days, like people have been buying toilet paper like Crazy. out the ass again. Cause they starting to shut down schools and stuff here. They starting to um, reopen schools to, begin. to be honest. Yeah. They just shut down my girl's school and like that was long overdue. They had like 30 cases before they shut that shit down. Like, Why? kid, it's 30? <laughs> yeah, bro. Why? Like, here's the thing. Like, it's dumb as hell because, you know, parents got multiple kids, right? So they yeah. have one kid test positive and they just send the other two to school. So it's like, yo. <laughs> 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 what, what, what person is this fucking uh, servant? You know they in the same house, right? <laughs> Remember what we said. Take advantage. Understand what's going on. Take advantage. So if all these schools are getting closed down, what system do you think they're going to be on the new school? Google Meet system. One of the two. Where do you think these kids are going to go for tutoring? Zoom. Chig. Oh, Chig. I forgot about them. Chig. That's part of the reason why Chig was uh, hiring tutors. Like $20 an hour. Exactly. <laughs> so much demand, bro. Everything, bro, everything has a reaction to it. And that's one thing I definitely want people to gather from this episode. Like, with whatever happens, especially like in the U.S., there's a potential for like you to take advantage of that situation. You might feel like you are an underpaid teacher and then Corona, boom, coronavirus happens. Now people can't go to class or go to school specifically, you know, in person. All right, cool. Let me specialize in tutoring and then tutor over Zoom. And now I can make more than I ever did at the school. You see what I'm saying? Like you just have to take advantage and notice the opportunities whenever you see them. Opportunity always around. You just got to be able to seize it. And that always goes back to what we were just talking about, like the black capitalism, Mm -hmm. like even just capitalism in general. A lot of people, you know, want socialism and all of these other things, but you don't realize some of the things that you're giving up whenever you won't have capitalism. Show me an example of socialism that worked. And I'm not even going to come at it like that. Full, I just like, feel like... Full socialism. I'm talking about like... Full-blown like, socialism? Full-blown socialism. It don't work. <laughs> it don't work. Like, it has to have a capitalistic element it's, to it. Yeah, like, I definitely feel like it needs to be something hybrid. Mm-hmm. But, like, just to get rid of the true nature of capitalism, I feel like you're going to get rid of a lot of creativity. Oh, yeah, innovation. You're going to get rid of a lot of well, innovation. There's one thing I do want to make sure everybody knows is miracles never run out. Nah. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of socialist programs. Yeah, like, between that and then, like, just think about every time somebody gets bailed out. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say bailout. And then let certain companies die. Just not gonna let. Too them important die. for the infrastructure, yeah, the economy. Exactly. Yeah, we just talked about UPS. Yeah, They're not gonna let. Them no, die. fuck no. Because <laughs> like that's another thing that capitalism works. Like either you're gonna be really successful or you're gonna fucking fail. But like you're saying, like. Some of these companies, they're not going to let them die. American Airlines, they're not, not going to let American. these damn airlines. They're not going to let Boeing go under. They're no. not going to let them God, no. They have all those defense <laughs> contracts. They're going to do that. So if you know that, like I said, along with the theme of this episode, you understand it, take it to your advantage. Mm. 
So we do be kind of going long on this one, but I do want to hop in one last thing before we wrap this thing up, y'all. Talk about a couple of the adventures uh, that we've been doing as BWR uh, just differently. I know my brother Jared, he mentioned a few episodes back that he purchased his first mobile home. Give my, give my brother the claps, man. I need my brother to get the claps. Yeah. He became a mobile home investor. Um, bought him his first one for 2500 and now he in the rehab process. So, Brother Spiller, could you speak to him about how that journey's been going for you? Man, it's it's been interesting. It's been a lot of learning. I definitely took a lot of gems from the episode that we had with Tyrone McDaniel, and that really, really helped. Like, especially with different things as far as working with the contractors and finding one, number one, was difficult. Like, I always thought that, you know, all the stuff that I heard, you know, different things like might be capped as far as finding somebody good to help. That's real life. It's going to be <laughs> nine times out of 10. It's hard to find somebody reliable and that's going to be on time and everything as far as the construction. But once you do find a contractor, you want to stick with them. And like, you definitely want to try them out and, you know, pay them in portions. Like I noticed that working out really well too. So like, I just took a lot of the stuff that he told us from that episode and that helped really well with finding a contractor and getting a contractor going. The only other thing that I would say too, is that it has been really, really expensive over budget for what you think is going to happen. And like, so I've been able to make it shake, but it's just been kind of difficult as far as like, or not difficult. It was just more than what I expected. So going into that first process, I didn't expect, you know, as many different things to need to be fixed or as many different things to go wrong as they did. So, I mean, it's just been fixing it every, you know, making everything work from there. But so far I'd have gotten a new roof on it. I'm going to start, you know, trying to document the process and everything with that. If anybody would like to follow along with that process, just let me know. Uh, Y'all leave comments and different stuff. Let me reach out to us via email. Let me know. I'm thinking about putting together like an email list or something so I can kind of let people follow along with the process that may be interested in learning like how to how to rehab and the property goes. Because like I didn't know anything about any of this and now I'm just kind of getting thrust into it. So y'all can learn from my mistakes. You learn learning in the fire, my brother. I love it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Hey, so y'all definitely check out that email list, too. And the other venture that I wanted to talk about was the one that we did together. Mm-hmm. We talked about, I'm not sure, did we ever really talk about it on the pod? I think we, like, kind of hinted to it and mentioned it, but we didn't go into full detail. So our guest, our good friend, <laughs> Brian Robinson, y'all shout out to my brother. Yeah. Y'all follow him on the gram. Yeah, he got a new CPA underscore at the end. Yeah, he yeah, got a yeah. new uh, Instagram. Y'all go follow, so, man. Our brother Brian, he put us on to the rental car business. In our episode when he was telling us, like, whenever he was trying to sell for his first property, how he stumbled into this rental car business with Hire Car, where he basically, he was loaning out a car, like his, I think it was actually his, like his extra car or something like that, just to create passive income. And what he saw was an opportunity to scale it because it didn't really require him to do anything. All he had to do was own the car. So earlier this year, BWR, like we were looking at it and we're like, man, we need to get us an asset under our account. So we went ahead and we purchased a car from Hertz. Uh, speaking of opportunities and capitalizing on them, this was right around the time Hertz had announced that they were bankrupt and they were trying to get off a lot of their inventory. So we were like, okay, the opportunity presents itself. We have the cash on hand. Let's go purchase a vehicle. So we went and we got us a Nissan Sentra, a 2018 Nissan Sentra. I think it had like 30,000 miles on it or something like that. 36,000? Yeah. We got it for right under $10,000. And it took a little while to get it on the road for us. We had a couple different... Due to coronavirus. Yeah, with, like that. Corona, we had a couple different hurdles. 
it was in between our move from me and Jalen, our move from Louisiana to Dallas. So it took us a little while because we purchased the car in Texas, brought it to Louisiana, then brought it back to Texas to actually get it back on the road because the Louisiana market wasn't as great. But it's been pretty great since. I mean, ever since we actually got it rolling and on the road, passive income is the name of that game, man. Yeah, yeah. it's very passive. Very, very, very passive. So, like, we had this car. Our first rental wasn't the greatest. Uh, we will be honest with that one. <laughs> this goes to speaking to the power of your words, people. I will say this. So we have the car. It's meant to be a rental. The girl was asking me, the one that was renting it from us, she was like, y'all going to need this back anytime. So I was like, no, nah, we bought this to be a rental. Keep it as long as you need. But she took that shit a little too literally. She took that shit a little too literally. So like... She Wait, ain't pay us, y'all. That's what the hell well, happened. No, I'm not going to just say she like she, she didn't pay us. She pay, yeah, she, she paid us solidly for like the first two weeks. She made us feel good about it. So, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, we worked it. <laughs> she, started, she started falling back behind on payments a little bit. Like she she, she fall behind and then we like, we, 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 give, we, you we give you a chance. You catch up. Like she'd be like a day late, two days late. Then she pay for three days. Like, okay, all right. You know, you're staying on the, you're on the ball, whatever. And then we went to Colorado for our, our business retreat. And when we came back, it was like, yo, it's been like four days. Why haven't you paid? Why you haven't paid? Like, we hit her up. She's like, oh, man. Something happened with my, my, with my, my bank. bank account. The way my bank account set up here. You know, I, <laughs> man, I ain't trying to hear that shit. So long story short, we had to go repo our shit from her the first, for the first girl. But still, even off that experience, she left on us like a couple hundred bucks. And we still made like five or six hundred dollars off that rental. Mm-hmm. And recently, well, not recently, last month, we had our second rental like uh-huh. renter come in. And I mean, this guy's been amazing. He had the car every day, and I get a text message every day where this man is talking about extending his rental automatically. That's one of the beautiful things. So, like every day, you've we got mail. We collect what? Uh, like it's like twenty six, twenty five after a higher car takes their yeah. fees. Yeah. And over the past month, I think we've generated like $839 off that car. So, like, just looking at it from a cap rate type perspective, right? Hey, that's we better than damn real estate. That's what yeah, that's what I'm saying. We, paid, we collected $839 last month. Like nine, nine. Well, okay, let's talk about all the stuff. Yeah, that we total. Like, we had to we, put the we registration. License. We had registration. I'd we say had probably about 11000 Replacing the tire. That was like a couple hundred bucks. But I mean, all in, I'm pretty sure we still, yeah, yeah, we pretty, we like 11,000 is about what we at all in. And Mm -hmm. we ain't got these numbers pulled up in front of y'all just to let y'all know we definitely keeping track of this shit. So like from a percentage standpoint, that's a 7.6% cap rate, 7.6%. So like, what is is the cap rate for anybody who don't know? Okay. That's basically saying, how long is it going to take for you to get the money you invested back? So that's just monthly. Yeah, so like that's seven percent. I'm earning seven percent on my investment every month. Every month. So seven percent of what we paid into this is paid back to us whenever we get full rentals every month. So now we got a. Uh, imagine this is duplicated over ten months. We've already made our money back. Hell yeah! Hey, of hey, one I year. hope he keep it. Oh Lord Jesus! <laughs> I hope you do too. I'll sell it to you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely a dope thing to get into for anybody that's interested in that. You don't have to go about it the way we did where we purchased the car outright. 
uh, our brother Brian actually goes into how you can take advantage of financing a car to create cash flow that way. Yeah. I'm definitely looking into doing that one personally myself within the next few months. I'm thinking about knocking that one out before the end of 2019. I mean, 2020. 2020. 2020. God damn. Ooh, we. Uh, <laughs> it's been a 20- hell of a year, man. Yeah, a hell of a year. The end of 2020. But yeah, uh, that's definitely another great, great resource that people don't take advantage of enough. If you're looking for, like to create some cash flow in your life, uh, just like a way to get an asset that's not a typical asset that doesn't really because re- you know a lot of these other assets it's kind of harder to get approved for like a rental property or something like that. This is a good way to create cash flow. So oh, they're gonna approve you for a call real quick. They're gonna approve your ass for a call in a heartbeat. You can state an income on that shit. Make sure you do your numbers. Yeah, yeah. yes, numbers. But I say all that to say, y'all, if y'all want to learn about this game more in depth from our brother Brian, definitely y'all tap in with his course, we're gonna make sure we tap that in the link notes, the show notes too. Um, the car rental business course is the blueprint. It's what we use to get started. It's what you can use to get started. It's a really great thing. Like my brother really putting people on game with how to make some actual true passive income. So y'all definitely check that out. Not the same make commercial on higher car, yep. Oh, they, shit. they got a commercial foot on Snap too. Okay, all right, all right. I'm liking what I'm seeing with higher car. Yeah, <laughs> I got some shares of them. It ain't right. It ain't good right now. I'm about to, say, I'm not about to buy. It's not yeah, yeah, they puzzle. Yeah, they puzzle. It's like it's like it's like three dollars right now. But I ain't gonna lie. With the Rona, they share. How long have they published? I didn't know they were published. I don't know. I was just playing on my either Yahoo Finance or Think I'll Swim one day. I was like, wait, higher cars public? Well, yeah, that's interesting. But all right, y'all. So with all that stuff said, um, it's been a long episode. It's been a long episode. It's just been the crew. You know, we just chopping it up, talking, giving y'all different insight, perspective Don't on different things. Oh yeah, yeah the yeah, reviews, yeah. the reviews. <clears throat> Mister so, Spiller, you wanna you wanna do well, your job? Yeah, let's, let's hop into the house cleaning. Let my brother Jared go shout out. Our yeah, shout out our people, hey, man. We got a few new reviews. If you love your mama, make sure you like this video. If you love your mama, your pa, your daddy, your mama, anybody, like and send it to them. If you love me, like it. If you love Black Wolf Renaissance, like it. If you hate us, like it. Hey, do dislikes help you in YouTube algorithm? I don't know. I want to ask about that. Okay, if you didn't like it, dislike it. Yeah. Let us, let us know the honest truth. Yeah, I just want to just let us know something. Brother Spiller, you trying to pull him up still? Yeah, I got it. I got a few people, actually, that I... I gotta give a shout out to. I gotta catch up. Hold up. Let me see. I think me and Jalen. Who's the last person we shouted out, Jalen? India? I think. Since India, we got so so morbid. Uh they said I'm always listening to you guys' podcast with my pencil and paper ready. It's so powerful and inspiring to know that people that look like me are out here getting that wealth to leave away. I just wanna say thank you and keep doing what you guys are doing because this is just what we need. Thank you so so morbid. Let me see what else we got. Sports Boy Q, one of my go-to podcasts. Wish y'all much success. Shout out you, my guy. Also, guys, this is why we listen to you guys by Jab HK. This is why I listen to you guys. Episode 83 was, dare I say, the best one yet. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the hard work that y'all put in each and every episode. Keep going hard, fellas. And then last but not least, Miss Allie. 29, uh, I came across your podcast one day just looking for something different in growth mindset and generational wealth. Y'all keep doing y'all thing. I love it. Share J, uh, Atlanta GA. I appreciate you. Shout out you. Thank you. Hey, man. Shout out to all y'all, man. Much <laughs> love. We appreciate y'all so, so much. Y'all continue to rock with us. Y'all keep rocking with Black Wolf Renaissance. Jalen, show them the shirt. 
the new yeah, merch yeah, that we yeah, got. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all get this new merch. Check out the new merch. Breaking generational curses, building generational wealth. That's the yeah, new merch. We're gonna have that down in the link too. Y'all fuck with us. Y'all keep rocking with us. I got something. Wait, wait. I want to know if y'all really do enjoy us or just talk like these mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah. In the rating section or even in, if you're watching on YouTube, the comments, let us know if you actually do enjoy us for just talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we know we do a lot of with guests, yeah, but yes, yeah. we started off where it was just us four. So if we need to, we can start doing more episodes where it's just us talking. Mm-hmm. And let us know what topics y'all want us to cover in those episodes too. Like, if you like it or dislike it, like, hey, I like it. Y'all need to talk about this next. Like, let us know. We talk back. I promise. Talk to me. We talk back. I love it. All right, y'all. Well, this has been one longer episode of the BWR podcast. Y'all got anything else, fellas? Go get that credit course. Go get the credit course. Yes. Get that free downloadable. The link is in the show notes. Yeah. Y'all, these show notes going to be crazy. Y'all need to check them out for the value. But with that said, look, this is David with Blackwell Renaissance with the rest of the crew, and we signing out. Peace. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is run money marathon. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text grade to 323232. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Ba da ba ba ba.